This winter, we're reading the Gospel of Matthew together as a parish over a seven-week period. And as I've been reading and studying and praying with the first few chapters this week, I've been struck by something that I've really not noticed before. The Gospel starts with a genealogy of Jesus, but the word that we're translating genealogy is actually from a Greek word, that means, or rather, that is Genesis. Genesis, so the Genesis of Jesus, the genealogy. And after the genealogy, Matthew tells us about the ways in which Jesus is born of a woman called Mary. He says, the birth of Jesus happened this way. The word birth comes from the same Greek word, Genesis. So Matthew, in the first 18 verses of his gospel, has used this Greek word Genesis twice. So if we're to understand something of who this person is that the gospel's written about, we're going to have to go back to the beginning, to Genesis, to the mystery at the heart of all creation. Even wise men from the East are following a star in the cosmos. And then Matthew hits the fast forward button 30 years, and that's our gospel reading tonight. We have the story of John, or rather Jesus going to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. He comes from Galilee and he's baptized. And in case we're missing the cosmic dimension that Matthew started with, with the genealogy and the birth narrative and the wise men and all of this mention of Genesis, we have this baptism. And if you go back to the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, you'll remember that the Spirit of God hovers over a watery chaos. And a voice says, this is very good. In this baptism, we have Jesus entering into the watery chaos. That water represents all of the forces that tear us apart from one another, that separate us from God, the forces that even separate us from ourselves. Jesus goes up to his neck into those waters that oftentimes find their way up to our neck. He enters into this baptism freely so that he might be in solidarity with us. So water. And then what happens? The spirit alights on Jesus, that same spirit that moved over the watery chaos in the beginning. And then the voice, this is my son, my beloved son. So we're only a few pages into the New Testament and we bumped into this cosmic figure born of Mary, flesh of our flesh, and yet to speak of him, we have to go back to Genesis. We have to go back to the beginning because his life, his love, is going to be the lens through which we understand reality itself. We, like Matthew, discover that in this person, we come into contact with the uncreated and eternal light as it radiates from the face of Jesus Christ. 
And our way into this life, into this love, into this uncreated light is baptism. It's our own baptism. That's how we're sacramentally and mysteriously united to Jesus Christ. Our life is hidden in his life. And we stand where he stands, which puts us in two places at once. First, and wondrously, as we're united to Christ in baptism and marked as his own forever, we enter into the eternal relationship that he shares with the one he calls Abba, Father. We're plunged into that mysterious relationship that was before all things. We enter into that. We have direct access to the mystery at the heart of all reality. In our prayer life, in our shared Eucharistic life in this place, we're dropped right into that joy, into that mystery of love, the very life of God, the life that was in the beginning, that is now and will be forever, the love that moves the sun and the stars. We're brought to the source of all hope and happiness. I encourage you to continuously get in touch with that great reality. And if you ever need help in making sense of what that might mean in your life, talk to us, talk to me, talk to Ryan, talk to the clergy about what it might look like for you to cultivate dropping into that great reality in your own spiritual life. So that's the first place, and it is wonderful. We take, when we take our stand with Jesus in baptism, we're dropped into the, the life of God. And then the second place. Throughout the Gospels, we find Jesus with people on the margins. If he's the center of all reality, then the margins of society are pulled closely into the middle. He turns up in the company of tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners, the kind of company respectable people aren't meant to keep. So we, the church, us, should always be found on the margins with the poor, the forgotten, the vulnerable. If we'll recommit in this new year and on this feast to following Jesus and to putting him at the center of our life, we'll discover that the margins are always moving to the center. So on this night, on this feast of the baptism of our Lord, let's rejoice in the great mystery of baptism, that in it we're brought into the very life of God. And let's celebrate this great gift with a clear recognition that to enter into the baptized life is risky. Because if we'll take our stand with the living Christ, we'll find ourselves in places that we would be reluctant or afraid to enter into. But if we'll risk it and claim our baptismal identity, we'll discover Christ afresh, not least on the margins. Because as we do it to the least and the last and the forgotten and the poor, we do it unto Christ himself.